I'm Mark Grudel and I'm really excited about today's episode of TechSess because I'm going to be joined by Robert Hall from Brigantia for our first ever special guest episode of the show, which is really exciting because it means that you don't just have to listen to me talking. There's going to be another expert on the show sharing his valuable insights into today's topic, which is talking about phishing simulation and user security awareness training. So we're just going to jump right into that with Rob right now. Welcome to TechSess, the show that provides the information you need to know so that technology can help your business to be more successful. Rob, so thanks for joining me today. You know, maybe you can just quickly tell us about who you are, who you work for, and what is your role and what do you do? Okay. Um, I work for Brigantia Partners Limited. We're a cybersecurity-focused distribution company that adds value to the channel. But my sort of area of expertise within the business is around a product called Nobefore, product specialist for it, but I'm also the product marketing manager. So my team runs the, uh, well, I run the, the, the product marketing team. And we are the, the product specialists within the business and we are the kind of product champions or evangelists um, for each of our products. And we help our partners and end users understand and use the technology and also sell it to end user organizations and to, to our partners. That's my sort of role within the business. I'm looking forward to kind of getting in and into this and, and discussing, as people will know from the title of the show, is talking about phishing. And yeah. most people know what phishing is, and but particularly talking about phishing simulation, security awareness training. It's one thing that we do for a lot of customers here at M3. It's obviously your area of specialist knowledge, Rob. So, um, so maybe give us a, a bit of an update. You know, what is kind of like the state of the nation kind of phishing in 2021? You know, how has this changed during the pandemic? You know, yeah. give us a bit of an overview of how, how things are. Well, I, th I think the big thing for, for attackers over the last 18 months is that the pandemic has helped them focus their, their energies on one common thread, which is the pandemic. And I, I think as, as people in this kind of situation that none of us have been through, we're all naturally drawn to learning more information about what's actually happening. And are we going into lockdown? What's the latest numbers? What's the stats? All of that kind of thing. And what's that, what that's allowed attackers to do is focus on that one theme. So they run current events, emails, because at the end of the day, they want you to click on links. Whether it's, it's going to a malicious page or anything, it, it, they want you to click on a link. So they're going to use the most obvious or the most clickable subject to, to, to get you to click on the link. So over the last 18 months, it's been coronavirus. I think there's, there was in the early stages, in the first two months or something, the, the increase in phishing attacks was something like 667% which is massive. So, you know, as, as I said, it's just allowed attackers to focus their energies on one theme. It means they can hit a lot more people at once with that, that same theme and they, they're far more likely to get clicks than, than yeah. by doing things that are, are not related to it at that time. One thing that I read that you can kind of give your comments on is that, you know, most people are aware of like HTTPS or like SSL, you get the little yeah. padlock in your browser to show you that secure websites. And I, I read something just recently that said that about 50% of actually phishing sites are using HTTPS. So, yeah. so that you, cause a lot of users, you know, if they see a, a link in an email, if they see HTTPS, quite often they will automatically trust the link and think, well, that yeah. must be secure, right? Because they believe that, or some people might think that HTTPS means it's safe. 
But yeah. I think the, the the message here, I think, is that HTTPS doesn't mean that the website's safe. It just means that your connection to that site is in, is secure. Exactly, it yeah. could still be a, a, a malicious phishing website, so yeah. people can't even rely on that anymore, can they? No, absolutely. And I, I think that's why in sort of recent years that HTTPS and, and that little padlock, I don't even notice it really anymore. It's, it's just always there. And it. it uh, yeah. As you say, in the majority of cases these days, even phishing uh, malicious links will have that because anybody can go and source a, a certificate. So you can encrypt that communication between the user and the, the, the server. So it's the attackers playing on what we've been feeding into users for years, yeah. isn't it? You know, look exactly, for the padlock, yeah. you know, look for the symbol, you know, make yeah. sure it's secure. Because the other thing with that is that it means that your web browser doesn't flag the site. Because like if you go to a non-HTTP site, like Google Chrome or whatever yeah. other browser people are using, it will flag up saying this connection is not yeah, secure. Exactly. And that's a red flag to people. So the attackers now are just making sure that their sites are HTTPS secure as well. So that mechanism that we've bred into that people for years to like make sure it's safe and secure, the attackers are using that against people now to, to make them feel safe when they click on links, which is obviously not the case. Another question I had on this, and, and this is obviously very relevant to what's been happening in the last year, is that are users more prone to phishing attacks when working from home? Yeah, I, th I think absolutely, because one of the key things was when we were all sent home to work from home, one of the, 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 the big things was that we all started using systems like Teams and Zoom and other collaboration tools yep. to work effectively and to, 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 to continue to be productive. And I think for a lot of people, again, attackers use that as, they use Zoom and, and, and Teams as targets because as users, we weren't, we hadn't necessarily used those those products or services in the past. So we didn't know what a, a legitimate email from those solutions were. So again, they target the common things, the common threads, threads or themes that, that, that we have at the moment, and they spoof those services. They don't have that person next to it to them that they can say, you know, can just have a look at this email. Does it look real to you? So I think yeah. that's something that was missed as well. And it, 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 you take it for granted when you're working in an office, but when when you're sent home and you're sitting in the office on, on your own or sitting at your kitchen table or whatever, you don't have that person. And you probably have a couple of kids that are running around and, and, and distracting you as well. The Amazon delivery guys yeah. running the door, the dogs barking. And yeah. 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 So you're just a little bit distracted. You, you kind of, you're not focusing on security. You're not thinking in the same way as you would when you, when you're sitting at your desk. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, Definitely more prone um, to, to attacks at home. interesting what you say about uh, allowing a colleague just to have a quick glance at yeah. a potential phishing email. And what I've certainly seen or heard situations of is that because people are at home, what people are doing is if they get an email where they think is like potentially malicious, they're then forwarding that email to a colleague. So now you've got two people that have the phishing email. Yeah. And if employee number one didn't get sucked in and click on the link, the colleague that they've sent it to might click on the link because they think, well, my colleague sent me this and they want me to look at it. And so now you're potentially, you know, doubling the threat that now there's yeah. two people in the organization received that phishing email, which is kind of kind of crazy when you think about it, you know? Yeah. I think one of the things that, that you, you should be doing is it, there should be an email that you can send it to or forward it to or report it to. But that should go to somebody that, that is trained and understands what to look for in, in the emails and, and also has a, a safe environment or able, they're able to check those links and, and the details of the email in a safe environment. Yeah. So, yeah. 
one of the things that, that we actually implemented kind of at the start of the pandemic for part of this reason at M3 here, we actually created a fish net at m3networks.co.uk email yeah. address, fish with spelt, you know, as in fish and P, yeah, P-H-I-S-H net. And, and that would automatically flow into our cyber help desk where one of our cyber techs would be able to then look at the email, tell you if it's genuine or not, and re- reply back to you and let you know, you know, if that was a genuine email or not. So that was just a, a free kind of service that, that we implemented back then. Yeah. Because, you know, majority of businesses that we work with, you know, will have like a security f- email filter or something in place, but not all businesses do. And as you know, no system is 100% effective. So a lot of stuff still does get through these days. You know, you have to have all these things in place. So it's really interesting. And I guess one of the other questions that that I had, and maybe with your experience, um, Rob, you can maybe share was, is, are there any businesses or specific industries that are maybe are more targeted or more prone to phishing? And within businesses themselves, are there any users that are more likely to be targeted or departments or kind of job roles that are targeted more than others? Well, I mean, I, I always say no to that, just purely because attackers, for, for, for the attackers, it's a volume game. So they'll send their email out sure. far and wide. They don't necessarily, I mean, they, they do obviously target certain industries and certain certain individuals because of the, uh, you know, finance will have access to payment details and, and, and payment systems and things like that. your experience is is there any specific kind of industries or kind of users or departments within organizations that are targeted or, or more likely to fall for phishing attacks i think in simple terms that attackers will always look for for certain industries and certain individuals within businesses because if you're targeting the md or the head of finance that's got access to a payment system they far more likely to be able to send that that payments in the CEO fraud attack. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously certain individuals are higher risk and higher profile for attackers. But in general, I think for the attackers, it's, it's a numbers game for them. If they can send an email that gets to, to somebody in the business that then gets forwarded on, like you just explained, you know, you, it, it, an email that, that, that gets forwarded on to, to somebody in accounts or something like that, that is able to then take action. That, you know, either way, if that happens, the attackers can win. So in pure basic terms, it's it's a numbers game for the attackers. So they'll send out their, their emails far and wide and they'll, they'll hit whoever they can and hope for the best. It's, if they send out 10 million emails and they get 20 hits, that makes them, I don't know, a thousand pounds each or whatever. They're still making money. A, so, a yeah. small percentage, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Specifically then, talking obviously about phishing attacks here, what's the most effective um, method for businesses to reduce the likelihood of employees you know, falling for phishing attacks? Well, I, th- I think in the simplest terms, it would be security awareness training. And the reason why I say that is because security experts will always say that all, traditionally there's seven layers of security and they're all technology-based and technology is only so good at, at identifying things. What's actually a lot better than technology and artificial intelligence is humans with actual intelligence. And one of the key things is to train staff so that they know what a phishing attack looks like or what tailgating is or credential harvesting is. Because when staff actually are able to understand what the threats are that they face, they're far more likely to be able to protect the business than if you're just relying on technology alone. Because as you said earlier, things will get through technology, unfortunately. I'm sure that if we had technology that protected you 100%, that would be great. And we'd sell it by the the truckload. But the reality is that it's a requirement to have different layers of security. I think if you take the common stat, which is that 91% of phishing attacks 
or cyber attacks start with a, a, a phishing email, it's very easy to see that email is email and users are the, the sort of primary focus. So you need to have email security, obviously, but then you need to have staff on the on the other end of the computer that 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 receive the emails that actually identify what the threats are and and can spot those patterns or those common things that that attackers use to deliver their attack. So, you know, if you do phishing tests and you follow that up with training so that staff are kept on their toes by doing the phishing tests, but also have training so that they can get more information, then uh, you, what, what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to turn your traditional weakest link into your strongest link, and and those those yeah. staff or those users are going to protect the business. Robert, we're going to run through the Texas 10 questions. And you're actually, as our first guest on the show, you're obviously the first person to be asked these questions and put to the test. So there's no time limit, but it is rapid fire. And kind of want you to try and answer the questions kind of as quickly as you can, kind of like your initial reaction to these questions so we can yeah. kind of learn a little bit about yourself. So let's go for it. So if you had £100 million to spend, what would you spend it on? A house with a golf course, probably. And, and a, nice. a, a nice car, yeah. What is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? Wisdom, I think, comes with age. You, you, you know nothing when, when you're young and you still know nothing when you're older, but you know that you know nothing when you're older. So it, you, okay. you, you're more willing to, to, to listen and to learn from others. Does pineapple belong in pizza? <laughs> yes. For me, it does, but yeah. What would your workout song be? Anything by the Foo Fighters, Linkin Park, anything like I, that. Oh. Yeah. Just, uh, like the foods, been to see them live. Yeah, a few times, a few times. Going next year again, so, yeah. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would you choose? Dead or alive? Probably Dave Gold because he looks like good fun. And then oof, three people. That's a tough one. Oh, I, I, yeah, that, that, that's one I can't really answer off the top of my head apart from Dave Grohl. Maybe you can think about it and then we'll maybe yeah, ask you again I'll, at the I'll, end I'll of the show. Back to that, yeah. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Probably the ability to, to speak properly all the time and also know the right thing to say at all times. It's, yeah. Sometimes you get Most people say fly or be invisible or something like that. Yeah, but, that, yeah, no, that's, that's, some of that would be good, but you know, sometimes just knowing the right thing to say in various situations can be, can be very that's helpful a very and very powerful out, as well. That's a very thought out answer. I like that. <laughs> would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Probably one horse-sized duck. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's the kind of questions my kids ask me, so I thought yeah. it'd be good to throw in here. <laughs> we, we had a similar question in the in the office as what, uh, along the lines of what's the biggest animal you'd think you could fight and, and beat. So yeah, <laughs> some interesting answers yeah. to that. What piece of advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? Life isn't always as, as tough as it seems, and you know more than anything, just probably be yourself. If you had a time machine. Would you travel to the past or to the future? Probably to the past, because I think if you know the future, it kind of spoils the fun. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you, you know. Mm. And the final question is, is obviously this is the, the Texas podcast, you know, so one thing I always want to, to know from people is kind of what does Texas look like to you? Well, I'm, I've always been what, people will call a geek and and you know whether that's a good thing or bad thing i don't i don't necessarily care if i'm honest i'm a geek and i accept that but what that means is for me i i like to embrace technology i like to use technology in all things in life not just in, in terms of business but I, I know in terms of business going from 
uh, one CRM system to a better one can actually improve your business. It can make it stronger. It can make it more successful. Embracing technology in general is, is just a fundamental thing to, to be successful in business. And I think if you, if you get that, if you embrace technology and you get your, your business working properly with, with the technology that you have, it can only help. So yeah, that's, that's my message is just embrace the technology. Don't be afraid, afraid of it. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Rob. And uh, thanks for answering the first Texas 10 questions. Firewalls aren't as effective as what they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You know, firewalls will not block any really sophisticated attacks these days because the whole firewall thing most people understand you think oh we're protected by this magical firewall yeah. you know you know in itself is not good enough it's about having all these things like the the layers yeah. to a successful cybersecurity program within a business right yeah no not addressing the user is failing to address kind of as you've said the most common and biggest attack vector which is just email yeah you know? i've spoken to somebody who described it as or they will explain it as picnic so problem in chair not in computer so i think it's a good way of doing it and and, and I, I think that the, the big thing is that a lot of people think that users aren't as intelligent or are, are, are stupid in some way because they click on a phishing link but as employers, I think people need to take responsibility and accept that if you don't train them to identify certain attacks or certain things or how, how to spot these things, then yeah. you, you can't expect them to, to, to be that, that human firewall. When you hire someone into a job role, yeah. you, you usually will provide them training exactly, yeah. for whatever the job role is. And no one's employing you know, IT or cyber pros. You, know, you can't expect someone to be a cybersecurity expert as well as... Yeah be an accountant or a salesperson or whatever else that they do within the business right and as it's that old saying if people don't know what they don't know yeah people always you know after they've clicked the link they always think well of course of course that was obvious now but at the time you know that's the beauty of it it's a trick it's a social engineering trick i think everyone has been you know i mean i'll put my hand up everyone's clicked on us on a fishing link at some point in their life you know and there's nothing shameful or bad in saying that it doesn't mean you're an idiot it just means that someone tricked you into doing something yeah and you don't understand how they did it it's like watching you know up close card magic tricks you know that it's a trick there's no real magic there but you're left like after they show you the trick the guy walks away from your table you're left scratching your head going i know he did something i don't know how he did it so it's kind of like that you know it's not you know it's a bit of an art to it right and as you know as well that a lot of thought gets put into this. Mm. Of course, there's the obvious Nigerian prince trying to give you $20 million, yeah, right? I mean, no one falls for yeah. that anymore, right? It's But it's the real clever things, like the spoofed login pages exactly, for like yeah. Microsoft 365, yeah. where people capture their details and, and all that kind of stuff. These are the things that people do fall for because it looks so genuine. Yeah. Like It's got the real logos in it, everything else like that. And they're really hard to spot. I always like some stats and things. So what are kind of the average percentage of users that would fall for a phishing attack like we're assuming users have never had any security awareness training yeah and what are the some of stats in the industry that go around with with phishing I, i'm going to go according to what noberforce uh, has because they are the market leader in security sure. awareness training they've got millions yeah. of users around the world that, that use their product and what they find is that from the first phishing test that staff receive before they've had any training or before any of that on average, 34% of people actually click on the, the, the phishing links so, or, or fail those phishing wow. tests. So it's a big percentage. And we, I, I think the key thing is we all know that one click is all it takes to lead to an attack. So, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. 34% is, is a huge percentage. But you know, the kind of improvement you can get from 
just running those tests and running the training and, and making sure that staff actually brought up to speed on what threats they face and how to identify those threats, it goes, according to Noberforce stats, it drops by 87%. And I, I think that percentage would be higher, but the reality is that it's the stats showing the sort of first phishing test compared to 12 months later. And obviously certain things will come into that, that, that scenario, like new starters within a business will not necessarily have had security awareness training. So if they will be a high risk from the start because they're new to the business. So I guess if you're a company that's growing quite quickly and you're constantly hiring new people, yeah. you're constantly having these new influx of people who are who are the most risky users, yeah. right? Because they've yeah. never been through any of the training. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those new users, they don't know who your customers are, who yeah. your suppliers are. They so don't know who you regularly communicate with. Yeah. And I've spoken to people like at director level where they say, right, say a finance director, the minute they change, if they change roles, the minute they change roles, what do people do? They update their LinkedIn profile yeah. to say, hey, I'm now here. And of course, attackers will go, hey, they're new. They yeah. don't know who everyone is in the company. They don't know who we deal with. They don't know who their suppliers are. And I've heard people say, yeah, the minute I change organization, I get an influx of phishing emails straight away. Yeah. In the first three months, I'm highly targeted because the attackers know that I'm new. Yeah. I'm more likely to fall for something. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I really like that. I, I think the... The big thing there is that attackers will use social media and things like LinkedIn. Just a simple thing like the MD of a business, putting a post on LinkedIn saying, you know, we're traveling to this event where I'm spending the day at this event or whatever. That can lead to attacks on their staff because everybody can go to LinkedIn and see, okay, well, he's the MD of this business or she's the MD of this business. Who's the, the, the FD? And then contact that FD and say, oh, as you know, I'm at this event. and We need to get a payment out. Can you help? On H now with social media, we share more than what we should. The one thing I always say to people is that innocent, like daily, like, like you say, little updates, mm. things that people post, because our lives are digital these days yeah. and our lives are online these days, is that innocent information that you think has got absolutely no impact on security or anything like this. It's amazing what and how attackers will use simple bits of information against you, you know, in, yeah. in an attack, you know. Yeah, and I, I, there's, really, a really industry, there's a whole industry of people that, that just work around social media, just looking at certain targets and, and looking at what they're doing and, and being able to pass that information on to, to attackers who then go and use it in their own way. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, there, there's a video I saw I mean, recently which was quite interesting, but yeah. We've talked about phishing simulation and user you know awareness training what does that look like you know in terms of like obviously we we'd run these things for customers here at m3 and, and we do them but maybe from your experience what does a typical training fishing kind of cycle look like there's nothing sort of it's not rocket science really if i can be completely honest it, it, it is a, a simple process of running fishing tests on a regular basis running training campaigns on a regu regular basis and the reason why i say that is because Compliance frameworks like GDPR, which we all tired of hearing about and, and nobody really takes too much notice of anymore, but GDPR dictates that security awareness training is required on, on an ongoing and continuous basis. And I think the, one of the other things that I've noticed recently is the fact that more insurance companies are starting to have security awareness training as a requirement for, for companies that want to get cyber insurance because you know, if, if you and, and with them as well, it's also got to be ongoing, continuous. That the old model of getting people into a room once a year and boring them yeah. there for two hours, it doesn't work. So PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about PowerPoint. But yeah, it, it, I, I think the way I would recommend doing it is do a phishing test once a week, but make sure that you use a system that's that's flexible, that's got a lot of content, so that you don't repeat it, but also so that you've got the functionality to 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 send the emails at different times because. 
if you test people once a week and you tell them they, they've been tested once a week, but they can't predict when the email's coming, and they also have no idea what the content will be, it means that, you know, first of all, you won't have one person in the office standing up and saying, don't click the link, it's a, fish, a phishing test. But the second thing is that obviously it keeps people on their toes. So they'll always be looking for the phishing tests. And when they're doing that, they'll spot phishing attacks as well. So it just makes them that human firewall that's always on alert. The second thing as well is that on the training side, it's got to be a flexible system as well. There are some systems that are, are quite rigid in terms of the amount of content they've got. They've got a limited amount of content. They also have one style of delivery. And, and for me, that's just not going to work because every organization is different. Every company is different. The culture within companies varies. So you need to be able to deliver training to staff in a way that works for them. You know, I know for a fact that I wouldn't respond well or I don't respond well to training that's very formal and you know, 45 minutes and death by PowerPoint or, or, or slides or whatever. I prefer to learn from something that's a bit more informal, a bit shorter. As an example, you know, maybe doing five minutes of training every couple of weeks would be far more effective for me than doing 30 minutes of training every month. So it's all about having a system that's flexible, that allows you to deliver the training to staff in a way that doesn't impact on their productivity, because obviously yeah. that's a major factor for employers because you don't want to yeah. do it to take too much time, but also to, to give users training in a way that, that works for them. Because if you get that right, you're far more likely to have a successful solution than if you just have one style and say, this is what we use and sort of get on with it or just accept it. One other question I was going to ask, and maybe if, you've, if there's any examples of this that you can maybe share is, we're talking about trying to you know, mitigate against and, and reduce the likelihood of phishing attacks, but what kind of, just to give people an idea, what kind of damage can successful phishing attacks do to a business? You know, have you got any experience yourself or you know, what's, what's your um, view on Well, on I, I did a, a webinar fairly recently which, which covered an attack that, that Electronic Arts the, the game manufacturer or game developer um, experience recently where they had something like 960 gigs worth of, of data stolen from them. And in simple terms, it, it came down, to, it, it, it was a social engineering attack, but it's, it would have started with a phishing email. And basically what happened was there was a member of staff that had a, their Slack log credentials stolen at some point. And at some point an attacker bought those credentials on the dark web and they they thought, okay, well, I'm going to use this to, 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 to claim that I've lost my phone and I can't get access to the system. So they contacted the support team. The support team gave them their credentials or gave them the, gave, uh, sent them, I forget exactly what it was, but they, they allowed them into the system. They used the Slack credentials to contact support. Support then gave them access um, to the network and that's how they stole the data. But yeah, I mean, I think at the time everybody thought, well, you know, it's the attackers have gotten in. But if you if you dig a bit deeper, it, 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 the, the logic is that it would have started with somebody getting yes. an email saying change your password on on Slack, and they would have clicked here to log into Slack or whatever. They would have gone to a fake page and, and entered their details. And I think just on that attack, the 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 value or the the impact of that for for electronic arts isn't isn't necessarily clear, but. The, the, the engine for one of their biggest games was actually stolen or the global gameplay yeah, engine sure. was, was, was stolen. So how that impacts yeah. things in future, I mean, it might just be a case of, of the attackers putting that code out with their own code added to it for their own malicious reasons. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a lot of different things that can happen, but it, it, there's other stories, things like, uh, I know of a company down in, in London that had an attack where a user clicked on a link, went to a, a harvesting page or a fake Microsoft, Microsoft 365 page, 
into their details. And, and while it was all fine that the the company used multi-factor authentication to 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 allow people into into the, the Microsoft 365 system, what they didn't bank on was the fact that their their accounting system wasn't protected in the same way. And what the attackers did was they took that username and password, they pushed that out to a variety of different services called it's called credential stuffing, and they were able to get into the accounting system. And all the attackers did, they didn't do anything very obvious. All they did was they changed the bank details on their invoice templates. And at the, at the month end when invoices went out, they lost about a million pounds because of that. So, I mean, little things like that, that can, can have such big impact. So That's a great, a great example yeah. there. And I think the important thing here, what I'm listening to you saying there is that phishing attacks, quite often nothing happens immediately. Yeah. At some point, the stolen user credentials or whatever it was, they have been harvested. Nothing bad might happen to you straight away. So yeah. that's, I think, an important thing that I trying to get out to people is that if you click on a link and you do something, but nothing immediately bad happens yeah. on your computer. It's not over you still have to tell someone, yeah. right? It's not over. Like yeah. if you went to like a, a fake, like you think you were logging into 365, you put in your username and password, hit enter, nothing happened. And you think, hang on, the user thinks, well, nothing popped up. My antivirus didn't say anything. Like nothing looked wrong. Yeah, how then bad can it be? You should still be putting, yeah, you should still be putting a hand up to like your IT yeah. provider and saying, hey, look, I clicked this link. I went to this page. I put my username and password and nothing happened. It didn't log me into my email. Now the user might just bypass that. So there was maybe an issue, my internet connection was dropped or, you know, something was wrong. They might not immediately think that, hang on, I've just been fished and I've just given my login details yeah. away to someone. So if you think that you've done something, click the link, whatever, it is really important that you do actually raise the flag and, yeah. and say that you've done something right because you need to give your IT provider or your cybersecurity, you know, guys or whatever you're doing, you know, to whoever's taking care of this stuff, you need to give them the best chance to exactly. prevent something bad from happening. Yeah. And if you don't say anything, three months down the line, you know, something like what you've just described happens, yeah. you go, actually that happened because someone got fished yeah. Three months ago. Yeah, and I, you know, I, th I um, think that's that's the main thing with it is that with the training that it, you've you've got that call to action. Or very often the training that I've been through with a product like No Before is that this is how you protect yourself or, and your organization from from attacks. This is what you should be aware of. But if something happens because you are human and you are going to make mistakes, when you've made yeah. that mistake, just let somebody know. You've got to let somebody know because if you don't, that's that's when bad yeah. things really happen. For any businesses or any business owners or anyone who's responsible for IT in, the, in their organization that isn't currently running any phishing simulation and training for their users within their business, what would you say to them? Well, I, I think in simple terms, it's, it's, it's a case of, you know, staff are your, your most valuable and most in intelligent resource. So relying solely on technology is, it will protect you to a, a large degree, but there, there will be that, that one attack that will get through that, that will cost not the not the user. It won't cost them money, but in in the long term, it might cost them their job. But for the business owners, it will it can cost money. It, whether that's through CEO fraud attacks or whether it's through penalties because of of new fines that can be dished out because of things like GDPR and things. Just getting a system like or to get, getting a security awareness training solution in place to help your staff uh, understand what risks they face and how to protect against them at such a small cost as well versus the, the upside of, of having staff that are able to protect your business. It's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. And, and you know, it's not just me. I think, as I said earlier, insurance companies are starting to, to mandate security awareness training. The NHS are starting to mandate it. So it's, it's something that, that's becoming more and more um, important. And 
the longer you go without having a solution like that, the, 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 the higher your risk is or the longer you'll have that risk of attack. It's been a great insight talking to you today, Rob, and uh, you've been an amazing first guest on the show. So I really appreciate um, you giving your time to come and talk to us about that. And yeah, thanks for your time, Rob. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really hope you just enjoyed listening to my conversation there with Rob. He has been a fantastic guest. I'm sure you'll agree. I loved his answers to the Texas 10 questions. So I look forward to throwing those questions at future guests and getting their reactions, some of the questions that we've got there too. And of course, Rob provided some fantastic insights into this particular problem facing businesses right now. So of course, if you're not already following the show, please remember to subscribe to Texas on your favourite audio player. So thanks for listening. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.